Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles with you, we are uh, going to be looking at a chapter in the book of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And uh, obviously, if you look up at the sermon title, it's Only You Can Prevent Forest Fires. Several of us uh, probably have been camping, and we remember that slogan, realizing that perhaps we need to be careful with what we are doing and realizing that a single spark can cause great damage. And what I'd like to do is I'd like just to discuss for you essentially how one single lightning strike brought great damage to an area that I know and that I love. Several of you are familiar and know that our family lives outside of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and that's about 100 miles south of Yellowstone National Park, which is near and dear to us. Yellowstone uh, became actually the first national park in existence back in March 1st, 1872. The area of Yellowstone Park covers 3,400 square miles, or 2.2 million acres. And back in June 22nd, 1988, a majority of that park would be changed forever. I remember it well, uh, heard on the news about how a fire began to rage in Yellowstone. What we discovered was the fire started from a single lightning strike. And actually, back then, they had a policy where they would say, let it burn. Individuals believed that it was good, and obviously for an ecosystem, it's not a bad thing to have natural forest fires because it regenerates the forest. Unfortunately, this let it burn policy began to quickly get out of control. In a few short days, the fire raged on, and what I want to tell you is statistically, close to 36% of the park burned, probably 800,000 acres. Interestingly enough, what I will tell you as we look at some of the statistics that were brought up, it took a total of 9,500 firefighters from all across the country to get this fire under control. It was a $140 million effort. Now, be in mind, this was 34 years ago. You extrapolate that out today, and we're talking probably $500 to $700 million in order to be able to put the fire out in Yellowstone. They used 117 aircraft, 100 fire engines, and they dropped more than 1 million gallons of fire retardant in an effort to control the blaze. Sadly, after the fire was done, park officials came forward and they said that the park would never be the same for probably 90 to 100 years. I remember traveling up there about a year after the fire had gone through Yellowstone and seeing the blackened soot and the destruction that was there. We continue, obviously, to travel to Yellowstone, and even today, you can see the effect of the fire. Yes, it is different, but it is still marked as to where the fire has been. And so why am I bringing this up today? And why am I talking about only the fact that you can prevent forest fires? This morning we're going to talk, and James is going to speak essentially in an uh, analogous way to the effects of our words. How a single word can change someone's life forever. How many of you are familiar with the uh, saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me? How many of you look at that and say, that is just a flat out lie? How many of you have been hurt by words? You know, it's interesting, as a pastor, what I've come to discover is oftentimes words are more damaging than actions. 
I see several individuals in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s still dealing with words that were said to them back in their teens or their early 20s. We talk about how words can cause either an elevation of feeling, an encouragement, or joy to people, or they can bring some people down. How many of you still hear hurtful words in your head that perhaps were stated maybe 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, or 50 years ago? Words have an effect. They can either be positive or they can be negative. And this morning, we're going to be looking at how James is reaching out to the church in action, talking to them about how words can bring devastation and destruction, or they can bring elevation and encouragement. The question we're going to ask today essentially is this, I don't need to watch my tongue with what I say, do I? Two questions that I want to ask before we dive into this sermon. How many of you have heard a word or have received words from someone that still ring true in your head today and you're still dealing with those painful actions that were said to you perhaps years ago? The next question I want to ask is how many of you have said, you know what, I look back to a time when I utilized some words and I wish that I could have taken them back. How many of you kind of say after you've said something, oof. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe we say something out of uh, anger or rage. Or maybe we just say something to hurt someone else because inside we're hurting too. This morning we're going to look really at what our words do. And the first thing that I want to encourage you all in, and this is something that's very convicting to me, is that our words reveal what is in our hearts. And your tongue is an indicator of who you really are. Our words really do reveal what's in our hearts, and our tongue is an indicator of who we really are. Let me say this for a minute. Several of you have heard this story. This was years ago. Uh, We were out on a country road. Our car had been hit by a deer, and obviously we're kind of trying to find this deer, so it took a little while, and the next thing you know, we do find it. We come upon it, and what had occurred was an individual had shot this deer with a bow, and it was scared, and it ended up striking our car. The deer had then passed. So this individual is in gutting the deer, and as we come up on this person, I hear just about every expletive in the world as they're gutting this deer. I will save you those words, but I'm just going to say that the language was quite colorful. And as this individual popped their head out of the innards of the deer, it was very interesting because the moment that they recognized who I was, their language changed quite dramatically. Oh, hi, Pastor Nunn. How are you? It's a glorious day. Praise Jesus. So wonderful to see you. And I was kind of like, really good to see you too. It's so interesting that we see how quickly our words change. But what we need to remember and realize is, is the words that we say reveal truly what's in our heart. So my question to you is, how have your words been these past several weeks? Are they filled with praise and encouragement, or are they filled with destruction and disdain? Are you building people up and encouraging them, or are you judging them for who they ought to be in your eyes alone? Interestingly enough, Jesus, speaking in the book of Matthew, says this to individuals who think that their words are encouraging. He turns to them and he says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. 
And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. A great indication that indeed our words speak what is in our heart. And so my question to you is this, what is in your heart today? And how is that being revealed by your words? Let's take a moment. We're going to be taking a look at James chapter 3. For those of us that are newer to this study, we're going through the book of James, and we realize that it is a book of action. James is speaking essentially on a variety of different topics to the people in Jerusalem, the church of which he's over. And he's encouraging them, and he's giving them words of action on what to do or what not to do, how to live or how not to live, and then obviously how to speak or not to speak. Obviously, we've come to find that there has been some destruction within the church over the words that are saying. And so my question to you is this, Faith Bible Church, what words are we saying to one another, to our community, and to those around us? Are we bringing about light and life, or are we bringing about destruction and despair because of what is within our hearts? Our words have meaning, and they cut deep to the heart of people. We have opportunities to build people up and encourage them in Jesus, and we also have uh, opportunities to tear people down and make them feel like they're not worthy of the love of our Savior Jesus Christ. So James, writing to the church, starts off and he says this, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that what uh, we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, Reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Friends, how are we using our words? Are we using our words to build up and encourage or are we using our words to tear people down? Are we using our words to destruct what God is trying to do? James writes to the church about a topic that I think is very important that we recognize, and sometimes we think that perhaps what we say doesn't have that big of an effect on everyone. But my question to you is, is if I were to come to you, I bet I could find something that someone has said to you years ago that still rings in your heart in moments where you're discouraged, distressed, hurt, or worried. I think we all recognize that those words can ring deep into our heart. 
but I also bet I can come to you and I can find words that were said to you in moments of encouragement where someone said something to you that built you up, poured into your heart, and poured into your life. That adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, sounds good on a playground. But I think as we become adults, we recognize that words have meaning. And words have an effect. James starts off, and the first thing that I want you to see, particularly in verses 1 through 5, is this. That the tongue is quite powerful, as it can either develop and direct or dismantle and destroy. Friends, what I want to ask you is this. Are your words developing and directing? encouraging and building up, or are they dismantling and destroying? That might be in your personal life, that might be in your work, that might be with your family, that might be with your friends, but what I want to ask you is this, what are your words doing? Because we've seen earlier that your words really are revealing what's inside of your heart. James talks first and foremost about something that is near and dear to my heart and I think is so important. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because we know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Recognizing that as I get into the pulpit each Sunday, I have a job to do. I have a job to present the gospel to you in the best that I can with all of its clarity. The good, the bad, and the ugly. My job isn't to be popular. My job isn't to be well-liked. My job is to give you the gospel. My job is to present God to you. Some days, I'll be honest, I do it better than others. I can't bat a thousand. But every day, I take time to think through and pray through what it is that God is trying to communicate to us so that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, can draw more closely to him, realizing that I will stand before God in judgment for the words that I speak and the words that I preach. Now, the next thing that I want to tell you is this. I am not perfect. It says it even in here. No man is perfect. There will be moments where I falter. The only one who was perfect and is the only perfect teacher is Jesus. We all are human. We all err at times. But our job is to give the gospel to you. Interestingly enough, I recognize, too, that the words that I speak have great power, not because of me, not because of who I am, not because of Trevor, but because they are the Word of God, and the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It has the ability to transform your heart and your life as the Holy Spirit moves within. Those words have the ability to build and encourage to bless, develop, and direct. But they also have the ability to dismantle and destroy. And so friends, one of the things that I want to encourage us in is we have great opportunities right now to go out into the community to bless those people whom need to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One of the things that I was greatly convicted by when we were on Peak Challenge was simply this statement. Are we known more for what we are for or are we known only for what we are for against? Is it more that we're against things? We don't do this, we don't do that, we don't believe in this, we're against that, we don't like this or we don't like that? Or are we speaking to people with words of affirmation about our great Savior Jesus Christ? What we are for. The love of Christ, the blessings of Christ, the joy of who Jesus is. Sure, there are things that I don't agree with. Sure, there are things that I am not privy to or that I don't necessarily want in my life, but when I'm speaking to someone who's caught in their sin, whose uh, eyes are still blind, am I going to them telling them all the things that they're doing wrong, 
Or am I going to them and telling them about the word of life, our Savior Jesus Christ? Because our words have the ability to direct and develop or to dismantle and destroy. It's interesting because we see this theme throughout the scriptures. In Proverbs 18.21 it says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Friends, are we bringing life to people as we speak about our Savior Jesus Christ, or are we giving them only death as we speak to them in judgment or disdain or difference? Proverbs 16, 27 and 28 says this, the scoundrel plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. What are our words doing? Are our words building people up or in the guise of a prayer request are we gossiping about somebody else? Oh, please pray for this person because they're doing X, Y, and Z. And the intention isn't the prayer, the intention is to stir the gossip in the guise of a prayer request. Friends, are we building people up? Are we encouraging people or are we tearing them down by the words that we say? It's interesting, I uh, have an individual who is a friend of mine and I remember back in junior high who this person is, I'm not going to use his name. But I remember and recognize, and at times I still kind of ask God for forgiveness because in junior high I would love to tell you that I was fully developed and fully mature and I knew everything that I needed to know. And obviously that wasn't so. But I remember this person and he was a little bit different, but he was actually an amazing guy. And unfortunately, because he was a little different, a couple of my friends liked to tease this individual. And I would love to tell you that I had the strength to tell my friends to stop, stop teasing him. Now, I did not tease him. I actually poured into him. But I didn't have the courage to tell them to stop. I didn't have the courage to use the words to say, hey, guys, this isn't right. And I come to find out that the words that we were giving, the things that we were doing, actually ended up causing this person great pain. This individual ended up leaving our school and going to another school for several years because of what was going on there. What I'll tell you is this, later on I reconnected with this person on Facebook and I came to find that this individual praised me because of the friendship that we had. I'm not elevating myself, but it really began to teach me about the words that we had said, the things that we had told this person, and how much of an effect they had on him. And so one of the things that I will tell you is, is the words that I've given back to this person is, it's great to see you. I'm so proud of how you're doing and what your life has become. It's so awesome to see how God has worked and what he's doing in your life. Realizing that the words that I had spoken or the words that my friends had spoken had a deep effect on this individual for several, several years of which he had to overcome. And so friends, what do we do with our words? Do we build people up? Do we encourage them? I want to take a moment and I just want to throw out to you, where in your life maybe have you received some hard words, some misplaced words, some things that still hurt you today? And then I ask again, perhaps maybe there are words that you have said that you wish you could change, that you wish you could take back. And what I want to do is I want to ask you, look deep into your heart, are your words filled with life? Are your words filled with Christ? Or are they filled with yourself and your own self-being? 
Because again, I want to encourage you that our words truly do reveal what's in our hearts. And our tongue is an indicator of who you really are. The tongue is quite powerful as it can either develop and direct or it can dismantle and destroy. James continues on in verse 3 and he says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Some of you recognize the analogy that James is giving. If any of you have ridden a horse, you put a small bit in its mouth. We walk up to a horse, we see how massive they are and how hard they are to control. Yet this little bit in the mouth of the horse can control the animal entirely. So too can the tongue with the words that we say. He then continues on in another way of giving an analogy for people to understand. Several of us who are boaters or maybe have been out at sea, we recognize that he says the same aspect or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Have any of you set a forest fire on with the words that you speak? Have any of you have essentially damaged Yellowstone in the manner of a single spark with a misplaced word, with something that's stated in rage or anger or frustration? James is saying, be careful by what we say. Choose our words wisely, particularly when we're speaking life or death into people and the impact that we might have. It's interesting because then he continues on in verse 6, and this is the next thing that we're going to see, is not only is the tongue quite powerful as it can either develop or direct or dismantle and destroy, but what we come to find out is that apart from God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the tongue is difficult to control. Friends, in our own, we will say things that we shouldn't. We will say things that hurt. We will say things that dismantle. James even says the tongue is also is a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it's in itself is set on fire by hell. You know, I don't know about you, but when I read that, there's times when I just kind of want to take my tongue and cut it out. When I recognize how powerful this muscle truly is in the effect that it has on people. And then interestingly enough, this is what is so amazing about this verse. He says, all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. He's referring back to the Genesis account where man has the ability to speak over the animals. He's going back and saying, man has the power over these creatures. And oh, amazing it is to be able to tame these animals by the tongue. And then for emphasis says what? But no man can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Not very good news. So if we can't tame the tongue, if our tongue is evil, if what we have is untamable and it damages people, then how do we move forward to bring life and light into our lives? 
we move forward through our relationship with Jesus and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, subjecting ourselves to his will, to his life, to his demands, and to his teachings. We go to God and ask him to bring light and life to our hearts and to our mouths. And that is where we begin to build people up with the word of life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you have misplaced words? Nobody? Okay, you're all liars. How many of you have misplaced words? I'm going to be 100% honest with you, and um, please don't go to my kids afterwards because they'll be like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, dad has misplaced words. I've been really convicted by this, and Kelly will even know that I'm trying on it because there are times where I am essentially that person in the middle of the deer with my language. There are moments where I'm frustrated, there are moments where I'm angry, and I'll tell you that I have some pretty colorful language at times. And honestly, when I look at that and I say, well, wait a minute, if those words are coming out of my mouth, then what is truly in my heart? It deeply convicts me to say, Lord, I need your help and I need to change. I'm not saying I'm perfect, no one is. I guarantee you that if I'm hammering away with something and I hit my hand with a hammer, I highly doubt that I'm gonna scream out, praise Jesus. But I will tell you that some of the words that I choose reveal sometimes that perhaps my heart isn't centered on God. Perhaps it isn't centered on who he is and the blessings that are there. That they're centered on me. They're centered on my desires and what I want. And oftentimes those words are said in anger and that anger is because I'm not looking to God, I'm looking to myself and my own direction. And it truly reveals what's inside of my heart. So friends, I'm here to tell you transparently that there are moments in my life where I'm looking and I'm saying, yeah, Lord, my heart is not on you right now. And it's been evidenced by the words that I've just said. So friends, what I would tell you is is if you're looking at the words that you're speaking, if you're looking at the words that are stated in moments, examine them. Go back this week and say, Lord, how many of my words were truly filled with life versus how many of my words were filled with destruction? and death. Because friends, apart from God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the tongue is difficult to control. Can I ask a quick question? How many of you have just kind of been out in the, the, the community? How many of you have just been out kind of hearing people, et cetera, et cetera? I'm not going to tell you where we were, um, but it's a pool, and it's close by. And I'm amazed by some of the words that I hear coming out of people's mouths. F-bomb this, F-that, S-this, G-D-that, Jesus Christo, not in edification. And it's commonplace. And it's normal. And to be honest with you, there's times when I'm like, you know, if I don't throw in a few F-bombs and S's and this and that and the other thing, I don't know that I'd be able to communicate with this person. And I'm not saying that in judgment, but what I'm saying is, is it's revealing what's in the heart of people. Friends, when we recognize that those words are speaking death, but yet we have the word of life within us, do we choose to go and give them the word of life? Do we choose to go and speak to them and breathe light and life into the lives that are breathing and speaking death? Interestingly enough, we recognize that apart from God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the tongue is difficult to control we continue on and it says as James 
as em excuse me, emphasizes in verse 8, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of a deadly poison. Please don't miss that. We cannot tame our tongue on our own. The only way we can is by going to Christ and asking him to speak through us, to mold us, to change us, and to shape our lives. And then interestingly enough, he continues on with two rhetorical questions that essentially expect a negative answer in verses 9 through 12, and that's essentially this, the point that James is making that like a spring of water, no tongue, or sorry, like a spring of water, the tongue cannot have both praise and cursing flowing from it. Think through this. You either have salt water or you have fresh water coming from a spring. You don't have both. You can't have both. And so driving this point home, James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and the Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Can I ask an honest question of you today, friends? Have you walked into church this morning praising Jesus, yet as you walk out you're cursing someone who's sitting next to you? Do we sit and do we sing? Do we sound good in church? Do we sing our praises and look good in front of other people, but the moment that we walk away, we say something bad about someone behind their back? Friends, what I want to ask is this. If we do, do we realize that we're cursing someone who's been made in God's likeness? So often I hear criticism of people because they're not like you. And friends, what I want to tell you is, is perhaps that person is criticizing you because you're not like them. So we can either criticize one another and we can sound like hypocrites when we come to church. We can sit there and we can praise Jesus with our words and with our mouths and we can sound good when we sing songs. And then when people come, they can hear about how we speak about other individuals negatively, cursing them because they're not like we are, forgetting that we're all made in the image of God. Or... We can speak blessing and light and life on people and encourage them in who they are, even though they're different than us. Pouring into them and giving them life. Because again, out of the same mouth, as James says in verse 10, come praise and cursing. And he says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Again, two rhetorical questions expecting a negative answer, a resounding no. And then for emphasis, James continues on, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And so what I ask is this, how are our words today? Are our words encouraging and building up or are they tearing down? Are they gossiping behind people's backs, self-destructing and destroying what is trying to be built by God? Paul in Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come from out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. There's a sermon in and of itself just in that one verse. Friends, are we letting unwholesome talk come out of our mouths? Or are we saying things to help and build others up 
according to their needs. Can we all agree that everyone here has needs? I don't think anybody doesn't have a need. And if we all have needs, what are we doing? Are we building one another up or are we tearing people down? What I want to tell you is, is that it will benefit those who listen. And, and friends, I will tell you that friends and people in the community are listening to what's being said by followers of Jesus Christ. In my opinion, now more than ever. And so lovingly, what I want to tell you is this. Are your words whole and holy or unwholesome and destructive? James speaks to this, and we've seen, obviously, the idea that it is important to watch what we say. It is important to think and breathe life to people with our words. Essentially, what James is saying, and this is what I want to leave you with this morning, is, is that we need to watch your tongue. While it's small in size, it can render huge amounts of destruction to others and to the kingdom of God. And so prayerfully, think through what it is that you want to say to others. Think through how it is that you speak these things. And then lastly, I leave you with this, Psalm 19.14. May the words of my mouth, and don't forget this, and the meditation of my heart, because we've seen earlier, the heart is what reveals the words. And the words reveal what is in the heart. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for this word from James, convicting about what we say and how we speak. And Father, I just pray that we would review our lives and ask a very simple question. Are we speaking light and life? Are we speaking death and destruction? And Father, in that, in the manners that we've just examined our hearts, may the Holy Spirit draw us closer to you. May the words that we speak be helpful in building others up, not tearing others down. Father, thank you for this. Help us to realize that truly only we, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the power of God can prevent forest fires. And Father, help us to do so, to bring light and life to the community that's around. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus. We ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, amen.